Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Hello again, Earth people. It's me, the high time queen from the Space Bunker Temp Services. Apparently, season two concluded last week, and season three is still a little ways off in the future, but no one ever sent me a transport to get out of here. I better be getting overtime for this. Mama owes some scary people some money. Anyway, I've been snooping around up here, and I found all sorts of crap, and I'm just gonna start uploading stuff every other week until somebody stops me. Please, somebody stop me. This week, it's some behind-the-scenes bullshit, and then after that, it's something called Offices and Bosses Season 1, so you'll want to stick around for that. Speaking of Offices and Bosses, there's some blinking text on this monitor telling me I should mention there are some sweet Offices and Bosses shirts available on Podswag, along with Magic Tavern magnets and more. That's podswag.com slash magic. Okay, okay, there is a blinking text over here now. Okay, apparently there's going to be two live Magic Tavern shows at Gen Con again this year. 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Friday, August 2nd at the Schrott Center for the Arts in Indianapolis. All of those words sound made up. Tickets are already on sale. Hmm, someone should probably have announced this last week then. Not my problem. Anyway, for links to tickets, go to hellofromthemagictavern.com and click on the live shows link. Okay, let's just get to it. Let me divert this audio feed. I think maybe I just plug this in here. Looking for affirmation from anyone? Anyways, this is a simulation of the cast of the podcast talking about starting the show and recording the first episode. Enjoy! Hey everybody, it's Behind the Magic Tavern, which is what I'm branding this, because when we put up some video content forever ago, I think we used that in the Facebook post, and we called it Behind the Magic Tavern, which seemed like a pretty good name. I think that's so a I'm good I'm pushing name. that for this. Yeah. Um, you know, the show that you love, where your favorite actors and performers and behind-the-scenes people from Hello from the Magic Tavern 
Just talk about how great we personally are and why you should love us can and we, give us all your very money. very nasal gaving. I love the Na- name. Naval gazing? Just, just to give some options. Yes. Can we call it uh, Behind from the Magic Tavern? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's good. What about From Behind the Magic Tavern? From Behind at the Magic Tavern. How about we just call it From Behind? Uh-huh. <laughs> and... <laughs> Hey, I'm Arnie Niekamp. I play Arnie Niekamp. This is Adol Rafai. I play Chunt. This is Matt Young. I play Usador the Wizard. This is Ryan DeGeorgie, and I'm a producer on the show, and sometimes editor, and sometimes Craig as well. Usually Craig. Yeah. That's what it says on your Tinder, right? Sometimes, sometimes Craig. Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, is that a sex thing I don't know about? I've got to date him just to find out. You should know I'm a, I'm a sometimes Craig. I'm kind of a sometimes Craig. Yeah. I'm a total sometimes Craig. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about starting the podcast and like uh, uh, specifically like doing that first episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, right before we started recording, Arnie and I mentioned that, like, this is a thing we've probably talked about quite a bit in panels and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I, we've kind of said these things somewhat, but, uh, I can start off by saying that I remember very clearly sitting at my desk and writing out the Usador name the night before we were recording. And, uh, I was putting words into Google Translate and then bastardizing them to come up with the weird... Uh, elvish and dwarvish names and such, but I couldn't come up with a good name. I didn't have Usador. I had all the other stuff kind of mostly worked out. And then the next day at work, I found a, a wizard name generator, <laughs> which is a thing that actually exists. Or it might have just been like a D and D name generator or something. Yeah. I just pressed the button a bunch of times. And I was like, ah, oh, Usador. I like that. Hello. I'm Usador, wizard of the twelfth realm of Ephesius, grand master of light and shadow, persuader of magical delights, devourer of chaos, champion of the great halls of Tarakas. The elves know me as Fiang Yalak. The dwarves know me as Zoninin Hung Stangus. And I'm also known throughout the realm as Gasmundius Maystar. What was that name again? I am Usador, wizard of the twelfth realm. I love that that's the origin of this highly creative podcast is you asked the internet. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like Childish Gambino. Like, well, yeah. I got my rap name from a Wu-Tang rap name generator. Yeah. <laughs> I think I first heard that when we were when you mentioned it when we were doing a panel at uh, some convention. Mm-hmm. I think I like laid my head down on the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is also – I think it is like there's some like Isidore or something. I've seen that come up a bunch. I think it's just like a name. It is sort of like a name. Like a Nordic. Yeah. Uh, charm word. Yeah. Isidore, maybe? There's some Tolkien names that are similar mm-hmm. to Usador. But that, I don't know. I was just like, I really wanted the titles to be right. And every time I would like bastardize one of those words, I'd be like, can I be zoning in? I hate that. I don't want to call myself that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I like it as a title. And it was like, all those words I came up with, I was like, they're fun and they're weird, but they, it's not a thing I want to say over mm. and over again. How'd that work out? Not great, because uh, I fully expected those titles to also be like a thing I knew that I would say one time, and like they'd come up occasionally and slightly get mentioned. If, if I met an elf twenty episodes later, it'd be like, "Oh, by the way, you may know me by a different name." Kind of like Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Like you don't find out till way later on that he's Mithandria or whatever they call him in the White City. I forget the correct Here's, name. Real quick, if Rachin's I can, if I can just fine. complain, I'll take. Oh. I'll just take one minute. What are the odds? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, to me, the the most confusing part of the Lord of the Rings, like I was baffled as a teenager when I saw it, was when Gandalf dies and then they see him in the forest and they're like, Gandalf. And he's like, who? And they're like, 
Gandalf? And he's like, I don't know who Gandalf is. I'm Gandalf the White. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the theater being like, did I miss something? Like, that Gandalf still- is in that name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if someone came up to me and they're like, Adel, and I'm like, what? Well, who do you want? Adel? I'm Adel Rafai. <laughs> like it's just such a weird – I'll talk about the first time, uh, and this has been talked about again in panels, but Mm. maybe never on air uh, to the masses. But Arnie approached me. I remember you approached me at Rob White's wedding. Yeah. And I remember you being drunk. You remember you you being sober. So I think I might have conflated the weddings. I have been drunk at almost every (laughs) wedding I've gone to, but this one I'm pretty sure I wasn't. It was very – it was like the first time back out in the world after my daughter was born. So I've – but I believe it was Rob White's wedding, and you came up during the um, reception, and you said, "Listen." And Arnie has this great way of coming up and putting his hand on your shoulder, mm-hmm. and he's so tall, uh, and it just it's, it feels very comforting. Mm. So he came up and went, "Listen, I got an idea for a podcast." And am I Dennis Miller? Am I Dennis Miller on listen, Killers? <laughs> listen, babe, I got an idea for a podcast. Cha 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 But you you ran through the premise of the podcast, and you seemed like you were bracing for me to be like, "You fuck." But I was like, oh, great. Yeah, let me know. I'm in. And you seem surprised. Uh-huh. So that was – I remember the first time you – Well, he talking. wasn't talking to you. He was talking oh. to someone next to you. That's why I was so <laughs> just surprised. On I was me. like, yeah. listen, Rob White. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to talk more about both of your characters and kind of what you had in your back pocket, like what you were thinking about like mm-hmm. going into the first episode. But like the backstory of the podcast itself was like I just really love podcasts. I'd done several where I was basically myself. Uh, and, and what about I, for this one? For this one, yeah, I... Yeah, did you get your name from an uh, Arnie name generator? <laughs> I looked it up online. I was like, oh, I hope I don't have to say this in every episode. <laughs> and I basically, like, I love doing them, but they're a lot of work and never really gotten much more than kind of like some local interest of people like, you know, improviser friends listening to them. And so I was like, all right, I can't do this anymore. It's too much work. No more podcasts. But then I just started, you know, it's one of those things where I started just having two or three ideas and they just kind of wouldn't go away. And then this one kind of kept rumbling in the back of my head, just a fantasy podcast that was just a chat show and just kind of slowly having story creeping in. I haven't talked about this much, but I think originally the idea was that I was not from Earth, that I was just like, it's almost like that sort of like Black Cauldron thing of like, that fantasy tradition of like young farm boy in a magical world. Sure. He just doesn't know that the whole world is coming towards him, right? The world's at war and things are about to change. He's Almost to like Lord swept. of the Rings where it's like once you step out the Shire, it's like I don't know what is out there. Yeah, know? exactly. And just sort of like him learning about these things and sort of realizing the whole world is like slowly like heading towards some kind of a fantasy apocalypse. But as I thought about it, I really also wanted there to be this element of – people sending in emails and things. Well, the power of podcasting to a certain extent is that connection that you have with people and the way it is very personal to the people who listen to it in a way that like television or movies just aren't. And even like traditional radio isn't, you know, like there's a different... You feel like you're hanging out with friends, like it's yeah. intimate. Yeah. And I really did want it to be like a show. And like I would in my brain, like not in a way where I was like, I got to figure this out, but just as like an intellectual exercise that or this thing that would just tumble around in the back of my head, like always trying to solve what it was like was always like, eh, it just seems like I'm bending over backwards 
to explain like in this uh, world everyone sends these things and I'm really you know I'm recording it into that and these are all little things that we do on the show quite a bit actually like magical analogs for things but it also quickly realized that it was like well if I'm just a human and this is really literally a podcast then it just makes the structure weirdly it makes the structure make a lot more sense Um, and also then I just really started to tickle myself with this idea of, you know, someone who should be off having an amazing adventure, but they're just really invested in starting a podcast. That sort of reminds me of the Transdimensional Delivery Man where it was like, we have to have a conceit where we can get packages. And then there was one episode and then every other episode is just like, all right, we got packages. There's nothing to say. Mm -hmm. Those first episodes, every little thing, we were just sort of like, how do we, oh, how do we, how do we explain this thing and we don't really worry about that as much anymore but in a good way though i think Mm. i think it's good to have that stuff up top to show that we're thinking about it and care about it but like also that becomes a burden to the listener as well as us after a while i think to be like i don't need to know why everything is recorded i don't need to know why everything is it's fine i'm i'm in you know but but i also wanted to say the reason that i was like like the the part of the story that brings matt and adel into it is I love like improv interview. It's like a really good structure. Like it's a good like exercise. You do a lot in classes and things because it just makes it kind of easier for anybody to kind of, it's something to latch on to basically. But if I was going to do a podcast where it was improvised and the guests were creating a bunch of stuff about this world, but in that situation, it would be very hard for me to be the protector of that story and that world. If I am the fish out of water character, you know, so it, so I very quickly realized to do something like this, it would be almost impossible if it was just me interviewing a guest. Every, epi- every episode is you being like, what's this now? Yeah. And that like, and that could be fun. And that's actually the structure of a fair number of improv podcasts. But like if we wanted the story, if we wanted some kind of like serialized aspect or this real feeling like a world is being built, uh, you need people who's who are there to help protect that and to remember that stuff. And so realizing that I needed co-hosts was probably the best thing that could have happened for this podcast. Um, unfortunately, I picked you two. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I read I found? I'll just read a snippet of it. It's a fairly long email. But on Tuesday, December 2nd, 2014, this is uh, after the wedding, you sent an email that said, guys, let's start chatting about this. I'd love to get this up and running early in the new year. Uh, you said Adeline Young are the main dot, dot, dot sidekicks, I guess. Ideally, one of you would be in every episode, occasionally both. Also, I suppose after things get going, some episodes could have neither. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll get to a point where we can wean off of you yeah, guys. Yeah, pretty yeah, soon right. we'll have neither of us. And then uh, I just want to mention that the same day, uh, about an hour later, I responded to your email. And I said, super excited to be a part of this. Can we maybe meet in the next week to spitball? I call dibs on the giant talking animal. Also, let me know if he needs an accent. <laughs> a giant? Yeah, I put. I, I want to be. A, I call dibs on a giant talking animal, huh. and I said, "Let me know if he needs an accent." Interesting. And, and I'm so glad I didn't do an accent. <laughs> I like that you were hoping he would say, "Yes, he needs yes. an accent." I remember uh, talking. I mean, Adel and Matt, you were you are two people who that I really have performed with forever, and just love performing with. I was excited to do it do this podcast with and really it wouldn't exist like kind of as you say Adel if I hadn't said it to you because I in my mind I wasn't looking to really do it like it was a fun intellectual exercise and really I think all I wanted 
was to share the idea with someone that it tickled me. Like I didn't want to just live in my head because like, what's the point of that? Like you, <laughs> you wanted to I validate need, it. I need yeah. some kind of validation. So, you know, just telling you was just kind of like, isn't this a clever idea that I had? And you were immediately like, yeah. I remember being very enthused. Yeah. yeah. I also remember you, I could be misremembering this, but I, re- I feel like I remember you almost immediately saying, can I be a shapeshifter? Can I, I think even the aspect of like, can I be a shapeshifter who changes shape when he sleeps with somebody? When he sleeps with somebody. Why did that just tumble out of your brain in that moment? Do you have any I remember of that? I've always liked, uh, whether it be like comic book characters or whatever, or, or in fantasy realms, or, or even like, um, what is it in Deep Space Nine, Otto? Or what's the guy's name? Odo. 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 Like I, I, since I was a kid, I've always loved the aspect of shape-shifting. So I'm like, that's, that would be my number one ability if I could have an ability. Um, so I immediately wanted that. And then I could be whatever animal I wanted or anything I wanted. And then I remember thinking like there, there should be some sort of like different uh, spin on it. And so for whatever reason, I was like, yeah, well, whatever he sleeps with, that's what he becomes. And I think at first it was like after Chunt sleeps with something, it's like 45 days later he changes. Or it was, it was something yeah. insane. And then I think we realized the, <laughs> we set a the lot hang-ups of, of that. And then we were like, oh, that's only if I'm in love. But, you know, it, it, and we sort of swept it away. But, yeah, I think I just wanted to put a, a little bit of spin on the ball just to have something that I could kind of claim my, uh, my own. Because I, I haven't heard of any other shapeshifter doing that. No, not that I know of. <laughs> Marvel, DC, cowards. <laughs> i also remember and i don't know if this was i I remember this as being literally like the four sentences in a row that we said to each other about this during the wedding and i feel like i also imagined you looking off for a second smiling and then saying can i be called chunt and i said if you have to (laughs) (laughs) i'd believe that i'd absolutely believe that i feel like you were also um at some point mentioned the badger so i feel like i give you credit for for thinking of badger i definitely yeah i don't remember i do remember i probably steered it towards being some kind of small animal be mostly i think you mentioned narnia yeah because like like the badger narnia i remember that yeah yeah just those animals because i really that's such a i liked the idea of that kind of fantasy being Mm. shown in pretty early like not just high fantasy wizards and kings and things but like the creatures friendly talking animal that you meet (laughs) when you fall through a wardrobe into a magical land i i I like that aspect of the show that it's a mishmash of all different types of fantasy tropes uh and they can all live side by side uh because yeah all high fantasy all the time would get pretty Oh, we should have called ourselves all high fantasy all the time. <laughs> and this show should be called Maybe I'm Misremembering. <laughs> uh, Ryan, how did you first get recruited to the show? Uh, well, you reached out to me and Evan, I think, around the same time. Maybe we were even on the same email or something about like, hey, I have this idea. You sort of gave the brief pitch, mm-hmm. I think. And then it was like, would you guys want to help produce, do like sort of like background, like technical stuff mm-hmm. and like – also, you know, contribute ideas as, you know, as it comes. And I remember thinking about it because I was like, oh, it's such a cool idea, but do I have time to do it? And I kind of, I think I even got back to you saying like, I don't think I have time. I remember both you and I think Evan both being like, yeah, uh, it's probably going to be a no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what I said, because I was like, that's like such a funny idea, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to, I've been doing, I had been doing a lot of like, editing and behind the scenes stuff that I wasn't contributing creatively to. 
And I was like, oh, I want to focus more on my own stuff right now and blah, blah, blah. And then you give a pretty good pitch of like, listen, I don't want this to be collaborative. I think you would have a good perspective and could do mm-hmm. contribute to it that way. I was like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, I'll try it. I'll help with the first couple episodes. And then you, when we started recording, I was like, oh, this is too fucking funny. I've got to be involved with this. Well, and also we all thought it was going to be like, 10 episodes and then be over oh we absolutely all thought this that, would not go anywhere i did anywhere. not think everyone i thought i mean i look i wasn't like this is definitely gonna take off not not in the way that was like so fatalistic that had done well that, that just sort of fizzled that i was like this seems like something that is interesting enough that if i was ever going to do a podcast that had a chance of getting any kind of greater attention that this could be it and i i don't mean that even in a negative way of like oh this idea isn't that good or blah no. blah, blah. I, I mean it was like you know, you do projects and they go yeah. on for a little while and then they fizzle out. It didn't a lot feel of like times. a four-year commitment at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it's like you try stuff and sometimes it sticks and it does okay. And like this has succeeded beyond uh, what I think any of us initially thought, and that, that's awesome. But yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely didn't think that up front. Well, I, I mean, one of the reasons that I definitely wanted to bring you and Evan on. You know, I'd done all these podcasts where I'd edited them myself and I was not particularly good at doing it. And it was like a lot of work and not good. And I knew if I wanted to do another podcast, I was like, it has to sound good. And, you know, I want to really collaborate with someone that is good at that stuff. Because you got to have somebody who can edit comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And understands the timing timing of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, I don't want to do that. It was like, I want it to be good. Like, I want it to be good in the way that it actually even outperformed my expectations of how good it could be. Like, I think the sound effect language of what the show is, is just as big a deal as any of us individual characters. Like, it's not overbearing. It's got this sort of like language to it that like yeah. is easy to follow, but really is immersive and funny. And it doesn't try too hard to make you think it's real, but it does it enough to make you think it's real. And I think a lot of listeners probably don't pick up on this, uh, that sort of sound language of the show. But I remember the first time announcing that I was getting up and leaving the table and listening to the fully produced episode and hearing the little squeak as the chair moved out i was like oh yeah like those little things that like i bet most listeners don't even pick Mm -hmm. up on but it just makes it feel real in a way Uh, in in an interview format show to have like those things that sweeten it are are really important to make it special it also leads to a lot of people i feel like early on and maybe still not but probably not but i feel like early on that kind of amazing production value was what led a lot of people to think it was scripted Mm-hmm. because you'd say, I'm getting up to leave, and you hear the table, the chair push away. You'd say, like, ah, this food's poison, and hear a smash glass or something. So it's a thing of, like, people are like, well, how else would the, that sound be in there unless you scripted it? And it's <laughs> yeah, like, right. no, 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 we just improvise it, and we might do, we might mime object work, but then Ryan puts in sound effects, or Evan or whoever was editing. But to me, that led to a lot of people disbelieving it was improvised. I think at this point, people are like, oh, yeah, that's totally improvised. That was what was so fun about editing the first episode. Like, Have you guys, uh, did you guys watch home movies? Uh, that old oh, oh, yeah. Used to, yeah. yeah. That was like my Brendan go-to. Yeah. My go-to example of an improvised show that could still fit mm. a format like that. That was improvised? Yeah. They, I mean, they had outlines, but they improvised a lot of it. Damn. Yeah, it's Sean Benjamin and all that. And so, like, I would watch that show thinking about how do you do that? And a lot of, like, the stuff I loved on home movies was the stuff happening in the background that you could tell <laughs> the animators or an SFX person added based on what was being said. And so when we did that first episode, I was like, how much 
how much a do can I do and how much do I have to do of like well they're just at a table so hopefully it's not gonna get crazy and then the very I think in the first <laughs> episode some spell and maybe not the second episode some giant spell goes off or whatever and we start seeing some of the possibilities but the idea of like you know a joke and then a punctuation with glass break or chair or whatever I feel like it can time into the comedy really well mm-hmm. and I yeah. think we we talked about like also in that episode of like how do we like how much do we leave laughter in? Do we like take it out? Like I feel like figuring out that flow in that first episode was super. We take fun. it out, right? It's all taken out. All the laughter. Oh, I know yeah. you've never heard the show before, but <laughs> it's taken yeah. out for the Should listeners. Feel ice as well. cold, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that was when I listened to the first couple episodes um, after we released them. I remember being like, "This feels really warm and like it, it's more, way more listenable than that or palatable than most podcasts." And then I realized it was like that fireplace sound, like the, yeah. like the crackle, and I'm like. Even that having something versus like dead dead silence in the background does so much for how you consume what's going on. Yeah, it, it, and I think it, it really feeds into that idea mm-hmm. that you're you're the listener feels like they're at the table in this like huga environment. Yeah. With, with a fireplace going and everything. One thing that plays into that and kind of plays into the sort of SFX feeling as well is like we decided earlier to have you guys on separate channels. So like you, Usador is always a little bit on the right. Chunt's always a little bit on the left and Arnie's yeah. in the middle. I and like I, the three little bears. It is. I think it like subconsciously gives you a space. Like you're at the table. Like you see, it's better, easier to tell like where virtually everybody the three is. Little bears. I think they're just called the three bears. I think, uh, yeah, well they were all unusually short. Um, <laughs> I remember at one point getting so comfortable with Ryan and Evan and Chris and like wh- whoever's in the booth. I remember getting so comfortable that it would be like at some point where it's like we turn Usador into a tiny Usador and make him chop up. You know, like mm-hmm. it, I remember saying like the most insane thing and then like looking to you in the booth and you like putting your head in your hands or like <laughs> giving a yeah. thumbs up or like I, I just remember like it got to the point where I'm like, I think they can handle this or even like with the email stuff where I'd be like, yeah. And I'm Chunt at gmail.com, Chunt with six T's, and you scrambling to like pull up Gmail. Register to that like, address. Let me grab this email. Well, that right. That was funny. You were like, I'm Chunt at gmail.com. And I think we had to stop and go, we, that's too short that's for right. Gmail address. That's right. You go, I tried to get it, and it's too short. And I'm like, well, let's go back and You're say You're like, Chunt oh, with Chunt with six T's. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the first big one was Tiny Horse, where you were like, oh, Ooh. it's a tiny horse that I'm going to ride around on this table and go like left, right, panning. And that was the first like giant sound effect I think we did that was like, okay, we got how to do it now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod 
or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Do you remember, Ryan, much about recording that first episode? It, it, the studio was a bit different. You, We were all in the same room. Were yeah. you, you kind of like back to us or – um, it was a couple different. There was a def- couple different orientations. I think I was off to the right. I think from you guys, mm. and yeah, some of your backs were to me. It was a little bit of a weird setup. I remember being nervous because it was my first time using any of that equipment. So I'm like, I know the principles here, but let me make sure I don't ruin this podcast. But uh, yeah, once we started sort of getting levels, it was it was okay. But at the time, it was sort of like we don't know like how this is going to sound. So it was, it was very, especially cause you guys were all so close together that separating you was a lot harder back then than it is now. I think if you had to like put, I think it's just the air. It's rain. Oh, is it? No. And this, this won't have the forgiving, uh, oral backdrop of, uh, of the, yeah, the, the tavern. I think that's definitely or will it, will it, will it? hit it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was it was uh, definitely like my main like like source of being nervous was like I hope I don't ruin this podcast these guys are working on. Uh, but then yeah, once we started like getting into it, it was it was really great. Do you have any memories from editing? Because you did that first episode, mm-hmm. and we kept them pretty short to start. And I, I, I vaguely remember us editing that first one down quite a bit. Yeah, it was. I, I think we recorded for at least thirty minutes, but it was only seventeen that we kept. Which we there've never been another episode we've edited that aggressively. Do we have that extra thirteen? I think so. I'm not a hundred percent. I want to listen to it. Yeah, I th- I don't think it's put together, but I think we have the raw files. Um, but yeah, it's probably it's mostly... probably a lot of like, what do we do now? <laughs> what else can we call I, the main road? I mean, yeah. I don't think we like stopped, but there was probably just a lot of like going down side paths that just kind of never led to anything. Yeah, that's what it mostly was. Although there was the famous, the one famous time we stopped that oh, Adel yeah. loves to mention. You oh, was that the first episode? It was like literally one of the you first things. You referenced it in an episode very recently. I think <laughs> yeah, in you the did. We- oh, in the wedding episode, you joked where you're like, listen, buddy, it's your wedding. You don't have to remember the world or something. Or continuity, continuity doesn't matter. You don't matter. have to remember the continuity. I'm like, oh, that's great. Being a 900-year-old shapeshifter. Because oh, in the first episode, right. Arnie, Arnie, was, Arnie like, was like, anything you want to do, let's do it. And Arnie was like, how old are you, Chunt? And I'm like, I'm 900 years old. And he goes, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. I literally let's stopped stop. it within stop. seconds. Because he just that's too old. You gotta be the buddy. You're the like that's too old, right? Yeah, you gotta be Mel Gibson, not Danny Glover. Yeah. I You're think... the Mel Gibson. <laughs> no. The other big thing from editing the first one was creating the bunker stuff because mm-hmm. we wanted to have like sort of a radio like being interrupted and then go into Tim. And we did this like doubling up of his voice where it was like warning, war, war, warning, which I think we did for maybe five episodes mm-hmm. and then stopped doing it. But, like, all of those, we were editing an Audacity, which was had a lot less flexibility. So all of those, like, radio in and out, like, warp sounds that were phased and then, were phased destructively and then kept for future episodes. Mm. So, like, it can never sound different than that unless we rebuild it. But it's worked for, you know, 200 episodes. It seemed obvious to me in that first episode that the Mysterious Man character had some kind of like agenda and that you weren't supposed to take it that seriously. But so many people, I would say the majority of people didn't really catch on to that. And uh, it was sort of, and and we to this day get emails from annoyed people who are listening to early episodes being like, love the podcast. Why do you have to start by telling me it's not real? (laughs) Right. You're, 
do, it's such a funny so idea. People, being yeah. like, do you not understand? Yeah. Do you not understand how I am trying fiction to, works? Yeah. I want escapism, and you're immediately mm-hmm. breaking the reality. Yeah. We've got we emails where so people much, are like, yeah. I don't know if there's some kind of regulation where yeah. you have to. <laughs> a yeah. regulation. Yeah. Ever since World of the Wars, <laughs> there's been a regulation. <laughs> we have to say Martians oh aren't really gosh. invading. Uh, Just, uh, that's wild. Does anybody remember, uh, maybe not, maybe just first episode would be too hard, but like initial reaction, like when the first episode or first few actually came out on iTunes and everything else, do you remember people's reaction or like, or when we, when we started to get maybe more notice? AV Club was the first time I remember having AV Club, BuzzFeed and Max. I feel like those three things led to, led to a huge Mm -hmm. uptick. It's funny how like you do it for a while, and uh, listeners will not be surprised by this. But you do you can do like twelve episodes, and they'll like go by in a flash, and you'll look, peek your head up, and be like, "Oh gosh, this has been twelve episodes. It's been thirty, forty, a hundred episodes." But when I think back to the things in the first stretch of episodes, like. It seems like it must have happened over the course of a lot more episodes. Like I'm always surprised when I go back and realize how short that period of time was because like the 13th episode I believe is Boys Night and that episode is so I think joyful. I remember it being like us being so kind of like gleeful and having such a good time and I I think of it as a celebration of us being like, I think this podcast is really taking off in mm-hmm. some way. And the idea of of knowing that in any way by episode 13 seems crazy to me. And I think that was our first episode with just the three of us since the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, there's a palpable joy to that. I had a strange experience of people that we know. Either they were coming in to record or I'd see them at I.O. And they would just be like, oh, I, the podcast is really good. I listen to it. And I'm like... I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks. And they'd be like, no, it's really good. <laughs> and like that weird like, oh, like they're not just saying it to say it. Like they're excited about it and people were like wanted to be on it, mm-hmm. you know. And like not even that it was like getting popular, but like our own peers heard it and were like, that's fun. I want to be part of that. Yeah. I always remember the thing that like really got me was Charlie being like, I offhandedly mentioned Spintax the Green as my rival in an episode, which is a name I just pulled out of my ass in the, in the moment. Had no plan to have a rival or just like, oh, I got to say something. And then getting an email, Arnie got an email from him of like, I, Charlie's like, I am Spintax the Green. <laughs> like, I am taking that. It's mine. I want it. And, and the, just talking about the weird ways that time can seem longer and shorter. Like, I remember him sending that email, and I remember being like, that's awesome. I want you to be Spintax. Let's not do that right away. Let's let Spintax build for just at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing that. But then when I look back, like, that Spintax episode is like... 16 or 17 (laughs) something. It's not that. It's like, what was this period of waiting? Yeah. I feel like people always talk about the finger to spider. Mm Mm-hmm joke as a with, joke with consent That's with consent. a part of the important part of the joke where i come from having sex with animals is a little bit frowned upon is okay. that not the case here like usador what is the general thought on having sex with animals in I, food? I think we've all fingered a spider <laughs> it's, it's just a uh, uh, when you're a young wizard and learning your way about the world, you, you, you encounter certain animals out in the wild as you become one with nature and commune with the powers that be in the universe, and sometimes that happens in a sexual manner. I, I see nothing strange about this at all. How do, how do you even, how would you, I don't think I want an answer, but I don't know how you could physically finger a spider. 
consent. Okay, well, that's good. That's a good start. If people talk about that first episode and being hooked in w- at that first episode, I feel like they almost always mention that finger to spider. We've all fingered a spider yeah. with consent. It's also, to me, in retrospect, shocking for something successful how much we talk about bestiality in that first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Is the first episode where we say, what do you call a human that's had sex with a shark? Oh, yeah, a dead human. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I think I think there are a couple things that happened in that first episode. You're getting me to repeat my name. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it all the time. Didn't think I was going to do that. And the idea that like we can just have a slightly – I guess I came into it thinking more like I'm going to have to answer these questions very seriously in a way, like within my mm-hmm. character's point of view. But this, the spider thing specifically was like you'd ask Chunt about it because it was something that happened to him. And then you kind of turn to me for like validation of like what Chunt is saying is fucking crazy, right? <laughs> and you're like, how do you finger a spider? I'm like, well, w- with consent. And then realizing like, oh, we sh- the the answers can be it should always be a step off. Like, I think Adel and I get to play the game of like whatever you're looking for, mm-hmm. we can be a, a beat off of that because we are from this other world and we process things differently and we think about things differently. Uh, and that's a really fun game. That Absolutely. we get to play all the time. Is there anything you really didn't know about your character? Not just how has your character changed over time, but like what do you feel like was very different or off about your conception of what that character would be? Thinking back, you're like, oh, God, I can't believe I thought this about that character. For one, I thought Chunt was going to shapeshift way more often. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done a little bit of it, but yeah. over 200 episodes I've shapeshifted maybe – Six times or something. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? I've always wondered why you did that. If I'm being honest, I think once fan art started happening, which to me is like the best part of doing the show is like the fan art we get. Once I saw the fan art and like got to love the idea of this little badger that people created in my mind's eye, Mm -hmm. then I was like, I kind of want to leave them a badger as often as possible. So I think that's why I always find my way back and because it's so, it's so enjoyable for me to picture that. What if you're being dishonest? If I'm being dishonest, I thought I'd be 900 years old. <laughs> <laughs> if I am being uh, completely honest, I know it would be less fun for you, Adel, in the long run. And also, like, probably, ultimately, like, it, it doesn't leave as many f- interesting roads to go down. I was always tickled by the possibility that Chunt was not a shapeshifter at all. That he, <laughs> oh, yeah. he toyed I with remember a little bit. This idea yeah. that he's just a badger. a badger and that's a story that he tells. Yeah, I remember that being a conversation behind the scenes of like, what if it eventually comes to, to fruition that we, we find out you're just a badger who's been bullshitting the whole yeah. time? Yeah, and I get that that's like, it's such a great punchline to that idea, but then, you know, then it just leaves you being a badger and like there's less fun stuff to explore, but, but it always seemed really funny to it's me. It's also funny of like, oh, I thought you were magical. And it's like, yeah, I'm just a giant talking badger. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No magic. I was lying. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think it's that our improv brain wants to like do a hard right churn and pull the rug out from something, mm-hmm. you know, to like just to surprise people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that's kind of part of how we approach things and how we come up with interesting ideas. I think what changed for me is I thought this is going to sound terrible. I, I thought, Usador would be a much more revered character in a way of like, oh, he's Gandalf in this mm-hmm. world, you know? And like, I thought he'd still be dumb and like bad at stuff in a way, but he still wouldn't think he's bad at stuff. But the fact that everyone sort of like <laughs> knows he's kind of a fuck up. Uh, I feel like Charlie kind of 
establish that firmly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's great. I mean, it's a great gift to be given as an improviser, and uh, it makes him so much more fun and so much more human. Because like I, the Ignatius of the of uh... yeah, and I think he's I think he's really like I think he is a competent, powerful wizard. Still, he's just like. All of his bullshit is in the way, which is really fun. It's He's like actually a great wizard. He's just a bad person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, covered, covered kind of. Virtue. Yeah, uh, the, it's not a bad person. He's bad at being. Yeah, a that's person. what I meant. Yeah, because he yeah. isn't a person exactly. Right. Yeah. Like he he doesn't quite process things the right way, and uh, that's why he tries to put soup in his butt because he thinks like maybe this will help me defeat the Dark Lord, even though that's an insanely stupid idea. <laughs> Uh, he's just willing to try anything out. Oh, help clean out your colon. Yeah. Just from the opposite end. <laughs> Arnie, what about you? Because you're playing a character as well. Yeah. Did you think you'd be further removed from real Arnie or more or less removed or what? I mean, a lot has actually changed about my character, quote unquote character, and like how I play him. It's funny listening back to the early episodes. Like I am a lot more of just a sort of sounding board and not like really trying to mm-hmm. be funny or that interesting myself. Like I find little moments to do that stuff. Even though my character is ostensibly the least interesting, I really do try to grab on to what characteristics have been given to me, right? Like whatever like things about my character have been laid on and then being like, well, I'm really bad at math. And I'm not great at math, but I really <laughs> do make a point of being really bad at math or you never get up or you're very lazy, like really kind of like leaning into those things and being like, that is who my character is. Yeah. Um, and I have over time, and maybe there's something we can talk about more later. Like as we talk about later episodes, I spent a lot of time becoming a crazier character, like using a lot more like comedy logic of like, this is the weird accumulation of attributes that my comedy monster of a character has become. But then over time started to try to think like, well, who is this person like because of these things like and what's going on with him and why is he like is there like a charitable way to think about this character as well? But I probably in retrospect, I'm glad I love like the Larry Sanders show where, you know, Gary Shandling isn't technically playing himself, but it more or less is. And that was a show where celebrities did play themselves. And I think there's a lot of interesting tension that comes from just being able to pull stuff from your own life. I think people can kind of feel that. And it's one of the things I just love about improv in general, like especially live improv. Like it's not about suspension of disbelief entirely. Like it matters who you are. There is a you and there is the character that you're playing. And both of those things are existing at the same time. And there's an aspect of that that is wrapped up in a show about multiple dimensions anyway. And I think that that is itself really interesting. But also – there is definitely an aspect of it being like, hmm, was this the smartest thing in the world? Playing <laughs> and we, I know like early on, the first hint to myself that there were aspects of it that weren't the smartest thing in the world was Adel's like, we got to make missing posters for you and put them up in, so around uh, the neighborhood uh, as a way of promoting the yeah, podcast. Yeah, in real life, I, was, I wanted to do like a Blair Witch promotion where it's mm-hmm. like, let's put posters of Arnie up at the Burger King on Southport or around Chicago and then I think Arnie was like oh no. Like, yeah I mean I love that idea I know in a vacuum. Freaked. I yeah. love that idea. I love anything we do that like creeps into the real world and uh, we did a lot of that stuff early on and we kind of do less of that now just because there's not time. Yeah, But I was also kind of like I am a real person. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> could be a bad. Something uh, just to mention like your real life playing into the show. 
something I absolutely love, which is one of my favorite moments mm. of the entire four-year run, is that I've known Arnie for 11 years. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, on air, I found out that his mom is actually a math teacher, which <laughs> is so funny to me. And I kept thinking you were joking. Like, I thought you were, like, because it was during an episode. Uh-huh. You're like, my mom's a math teacher. And I was like, hold up, hold up. Is that real? And you're like, no, it's real. And to me, it's just so funny that that's never yeah. come up. Like, yeah. both, both off air mm-hmm. and on. It's just, it's and being, like, pulling things. And, again, like, I, I change things. I, I make up things about my own life, and I change things. And it sounds weird to say that real life details have a power to them. I don't think that's – I don't mean it in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's just in that way where it's, like, there's something about improv – it's the same as like getting a suggestion in improv or it's the same as like if you do an improv form where people are telling stories from their own life, like bringing in detail, like the comedy version of what you would make up about who the fish out of water human would be would probably be less interesting or they would be a lot more obvious choices, you know, because they would just be the usual comedy choices you mm-hmm. always make up for like uh, a human Person. It's nice that you're you because it doesn't make you this, oh, shucks, I'm just a nice, sweet guy who doesn't know anything. Mm. Like, it gives you the weird details that make, that do make you interesting as a character to listen to. And, uh, and it, it gives you a character to play that is more interesting than the character you would make up, you know, mm. because it, you get to fill it with these things that feel really honest, but are idiosyncratic in certain ways. You know? I did want to say one last thing, which was, the coolest thing I think about the first episode from the behind-the-scenes perspective was I think the first cut I sent you was very conservatively cut. Like the stuff that was like you guys out of character, if there was anything or anything mm. like that, a couple of side rows. But it was like pretty pretty much like everything was in there. And I was like, hey, I left it long on purpose. I don't know exactly what you want from the editors in general. Mm. Like do you want us to cut aggressively back and forth? And you were like, oh, yeah, if it's not funny, you should just cut that. Like it's, And I was like, oh, okay, based on like what I think? And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. Uh, I feel like giving like Evan and I that power was like pretty great. Like we only ever end up, the editors in general cut like five minutes on, on average, I bet. Like it's almost nothing. And a lot of that is cutting like little pauses and things. But like just the, the empowering us to mm-hmm. contribute in that way. Uh, to be like, oh, well, this will flow a little better without this word. Or actually, this is saying the same thing twice. Let's get rid of it. Has was made it very fun to work on behind the scenes and feel like we're sort of shaping the show, which has been really, really fun to do. That's why we kind of wanted to build a team. And that's why we wanted to bring on people that we're excited to collaborate with who, besides being good at editing, and you are good at editing, and I'm sure you've just learned a lot doing this. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, I was just sort of like, Ryan is really funny. Like, I trust his comedy instincts. And so he'll cut things that need to be cut. And also he'll he'll create something better than it was to start with. You know? Yeah. Uh, Matt hasn't been on the show for like 60 episodes. I know. It helps. Just cuts it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. What? I'm supposed to talk again at the end too, even on this one? I have got to find an employee manual or something. Any code of conduct around here? Anyway, this episode was edited by Garrett Schultz. There, are you happy? This is all I'm doing. See you back here in two weeks with Offices and Bosses Season 1. Oh, the first episode is titled Flower from IT. Well, that sounds promising, okay? (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.